Hello, welcome to the podcast. And this is The Word on the Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. He is a doctor, and my name is Peter Musson. And he is a priest. And so we are very Together happy. we are... Voltron! <laughs> Dude, I, what if, what if um, all of the Catholic podcasts that existed assembled to a large Voltronic kind of <laughs> <laughs> super podcast? Catholic Podcast Unite! We'll send out like a signal to the sky. What if there was the Catholic Podcasting Conference? Do you know how boring that would be? Be a bunch of people sitting around. It would just, no, none of us would listen to each other. We just want to hear ourselves <laughs> talk. <laughs> Here's my uh, current opinion. Dude, that's awesome. I went to the rodeo and and uh, <laughs> I uh, I accidentally misled my parents. And yeah, we this sat is like a the, seven-year-old <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I went to the rodeo once. <laughs> <laughs> I drew a picture of a dog no, yesterday. No, dude, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, getting something. I'm getting something. Right, right. Okay, so, and I accidentally led my parents um, to the absolute wrong seats, the wrong section. Of I the have, rodeo? Yeah, yeah. I have no the, idea. The stock show, properly speaking, right? Yeah, yeah it was this stock show. It was clarify. the rodeo part of the stock show. All right, fair enough. So, we're there, and we're sitting in the wrong seats, and of course the people come, and I was like, whoops, sorry. My dad was like, what are you doing? As we're leaving- I walk up and I see Deacon Ned sitting no. in, in a chair and he's like, hey. And I look up and it's an in, literally an entire section of seminarians. <laughs> an entire one. It was like way intense. It was like- and Were I they was all like, in clerics? No, they were all wearing- oh. But they were all wearing cowboy all shirts. black. Snap cowboy shirts? Except for uh, were, one, wait, one priest. They weren't in clerics, them. but they were wearing all black? Yeah, all of them. And, but the, Except for the priest with them, okay. who was fully done up- Cowboy snap shirt. Call the Ryan O'Neill. <laughs> and uh no. and uh and uh and like the big cowboy hat. I was very proud. Who was the priest? are you gonna tell me who the priest no, was? I'm or not gonna I, tell that, you that the priest left to my imagination. All right. I'm gonna say Father Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. Because I know he listens once yeah. in a while. <laughs> so shout out to uh everybody, um the whole uh, listening body. As well as Father Anthony Schiarap. Dude, I can't know. I don't know how to pronounce your name, but my my brother Neil, he pays attention on Twitter. I don't pay attention on Twitter, but I guess that uh, you, good Father Anthony, um, you put out a, a set of tweets. Uh, Every Catholic podcast is described by me, mm. and um, Uh-oh. and uh, I know I'm not, not you, I'm but not, Father <laughs> Anthony. Yeah, I'm not going to um, uh, to repeat any of them except for ours. <laughs> okay, um, which is lanky guys. We are Father Anthony's only homily prep for this week. Boom. Um, you know what's funny? Is that this week. Is that that was one twenty nine nineteen. Oh, good. So we've already so, yeah. That's done it. but that's the kind of universal. See, oh, so I see. Uh, so, I see what you're saying. Yeah, mm, that's profound. And uh, I, I, I didn't know about some of the podcasts that you referenced there, so I, I gave a listen and uh, to all the podcasts. No, just to just no. There's like twenty podcasts on there. I Who know. knew there were so many Catholic podcasts? Yeah, I can think of three. Right, and two of them are ours. Yeah, it's twinning. Uh, it's the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time. Ordinary you Time. Well, it's then. also known as the Feast of St. Blaise. Our first reading is from Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, at 17 to 19. That's a big jump. Dude, like, you know what they say. Crisscross is going to make you jump. Jump. Oh, I see that. Okay. Dude, okay. come on. You thought I was going to say jump around from House of Pain, but I went crisscross on I, you. I didn't think either, but you, you continue to. <laughs> 
Surprise. <laughs> Harvest Ponsorial Psalm is coming from Psalm number 71, verses 1 through 2, 3 through 4, 5 through 6, and then jumping again all the way to verses 15 through 17. So um, take that, verse yeah. 7 through 14. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a long reading from mm. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 to 13, 13. We technically have two options, but we're going to do the long one. Yeah, do, is why the would short you have... one just the short version of this long one? Yes, it yeah, is. It's just, it doesn't have all the extra happiness and the symbols and gongs and stuff. Symbols and gongs. Is, oh, this is the symbol and gong. Reading. Yeah, symbol and gong. All right, our gospel is coming from Luke chapter 4, <laughs> verses 21 through 30. Yeehaw. Hey, I forgot to tell everybody tell that us. I do have a name for, the bod- for my uh, YouTube channel. Oh, yes, right. Um, I am beginning to produce content. We've been waiting with bated breath. What is it? What's the name? You're What's... only you're only gonna get half of the name, uh, or the. half. Of, um, no, there's no the. There's, there's no, no article. Th- no, there's no article. Okay. Um, you're uh, a robots. That's half of the name. You'll get the is other. Is it the half first half week. or the second half? We don't know. You don't know, so you haven't decided. No, yet? I, I've decided. But this you're not going to tell us. No, no. The thing is, it's... is that I don't have any content. So if I tell people the name of the, I'm, YouTube we're not channel, asking. I just want to know if it's the first half or the second half. If I tell them the name of the channel... Is robots describing the the noun, or is the noun describing the robots? This is the thing. What is part of speech are the robots? It's ki- this is gonna ki- the grammar of this is going to kill me. Yep. Oh, okay. So, um, so we are in the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Dancing Time. Dancing robots? <laughs> or robot liturgy? <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. I'm just, Dude, you have spun out. <laughs> oh, what could it be? Dancing robots. <laughs> Dancing liturgical robots. Um, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Dude, okay, seriously, we've got to talk about Jeremiah a little oh, bit, okay? Uh, that's what I came here for. There, there's <laughs> that's a, why I'm here. Dude, this is the thing with okay, Jeremiah. The, the dude is <laughs> the dude is out of control. No, he's a little bit out of control. Well, he he gets asked to do the weirdest things. He does. Not this week, but yeah. No, and, and eventually. This is kind of like the setup for every weird thing that he has to do, right? This is the call of Jeremiah. So this is the moment that he's called by God to be a prophet, basically. So this is his vocation. Yeah, this is the vocational moment. Also known as the uh, setup. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you said the first time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah it's the setup. <laughs> Narrative-wise, it's the setup for the story. But it's no, also... no I, I'm talking existentially. Existentially, yes. Because, dude, Jeremiah, he says, Lord, you duped me and I let myself be duped. Is that Jeremiah? That was somebody. It wasn't Jeremiah. Dude, somebody said that. Yeah, fair enough. That's how it feels. No, it is. Do you know what Jeremiah's name literally means? This is fun. No. You don't know what, what Jeremiah Bur- is? Bullfrog? What did you just say? Bullfrog? Oh, I think you said bump rock. <laughs> I was like, is that a genre of music um, that the kids listen to now? Dude, dude, bump rock, that's actually, you know what that is? is? That a thing? It's rock and roll for your pregnant belly. Bump rock, I see. Or I can't think of anything other <laughs> than that. Uh, um, it means the Lord throws. <laughs> Isn't that great? I mean, as far as names that fit the identity. Dude, the name, the Lord throws. The Lord throws because he's going to be literally thrown into a really pretty terrible circumstance or set of circumstances. Is he Southern or Northern? Is this Southern? A, this is Southern post split, right? When, yes. It actually tells you exactly the time frame. Oh. And I, there's something about the time frame. I don't know if there's much mileage there or not, but I noticed something this morning that I'd never noticed before. That again, I don't want to overdo it, but there's something 
something fascinating. And to the, me about the this. split I'm talking about the ten and two, the, the two, civil war. Yeah, the civil war. The, the ten tribes of the north, yeah. uh, northern tribes go up. Two tribes stay. Dan and and Judah stay stay low. J- Benjamin and Judah, but yeah. Benjamin and Judah. Yeah, Dan. Uh, I can't remember Dan. So by this point in time, the the northern Who cares about gone. Dan. Everybody cares about Dan. Nobody cares about Dan. Isn't that a isn't that a movie? <laughs> Everybody loves Dan. Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> Nobody cares about Dan. <laughs> oh, Dan. The, the Danites? You're the like, Danites. Danites have done nothing. They made that yogurt. Oh, um, Danon. Yeah, okay. That was a good poll. It wasn't. No, it really was bad. All right. So let's, let's, can we begin at the beginning? No. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yes, let's do it. Um, I, as, as per usual, um, we're thrown into the middle of something, but I think knowing what comes right before it, and then we have a big jump in the middle, which I, I get liturgically why we don't go through all the details that are in the middle section that we jump over. Okay. But that's what we do in the podcast. We we go into the middle parts, right? We, <laughs> we, that's what we do. We dig it all out. Right. Because that this analogy is breaking down. But here's what here's how it starts. So we start in verse four of the book of Jeremiah, chapter one, verse four. But to back up a couple lines, that actually gives you the so like one, two, and three, like the yes, beginning one, three, of the yes. whole book. Okay, so so what it says is this: the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Ananoth in the territory of Benjamin. So we know that Jeremiah comes from from a priestly family. Yeah, uh, he's also yep. of the tribe of Benjamin. You so know, he's part of the southern kingdom that remains, not Dan, but Ben. Dan, but Ben. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the rice company. Rice. Just think ben, rice. Ben. 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 Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben. I had to get there. <laughs> Put together. All right. So there he is. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah. Do you remember Josiah? Uh, you do remember Josiah. Josiah was what well, for all intents and purposes. Josiah is the last good king mm. before everything goes down. Okay. Before the nation's destroyed. Yeah, right? he's a noble king. He was a noble king. He was the one. Under whom, um, remember, they were doing like renovations in the temple and they were rebuilding things and they found the book of the law. They found Deuteronomy. And the, the workers started reading it and they were like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, we probably should have been doing all of this stuff. Mm. And they're like, hey, king, we found this book of all these laws that we've not been following. Josiah sees it. He's like, holy cow. Calls the, the whole nation. He's like, hey, we got to read this stuff. Like, we've been missing all of this and we've fallen so far. And so he, he stages this massive sort of... Uh, not renovation, a um, uh, 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 like a restoration of the nation. Yep, restoration of, of the, the nation. nation. So that happens. So the thirteenth year of Hosea or of, jo, jo, <laughs> of Josiah Come would back be to me with. <laughs> what does that have heart. to do with anything? That's the name of the song, Hosea. Is it really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Don't let fear. So uh, the thirteenth year of Josiah's reign would have been six twenty six BC. Okay. Okay. Take note of that. Six two six. Because so that's when it starts. That's when the Lord first comes to Jeremiah, who's out in the in the, the near Ananoth and and um, in the territory of Benjamin, and says, "Okay, I need you to do a job for me." So it happens in six twenty six. Uh, see the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, the king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, which was a son of Josiah, who was horrible. He was great not king, good. Great king to bad king. The son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah. Zedekiah was the f- the last sitting king of Israel before the nation was destroyed and obliterated by the Babylonians. Right, he was also the one that at, made this kind of momentary last ditch effort to try to bring the people back to the Lord right. and then reneged on it and said, heck with this, made a run for it, tried to escape out of the palace and was killed by the Babylonians on the plains of Jericho. 
Oh. Which is ironic. It's not ironic. It's apropos, I suppose. Remember, it was the, it was Jericho that was the first city they conquered as they were acquiring the promised land. Their last sitting king then dies in the very place where they started to get the land. That's where they lose the land. Oh. So there's this whole kind of backstory behind this. But that happens in the year 586, which means that Jeremiah is prophesying in Israel from 626 to 586. So in this year, in 626, well, Josiah's king, and this is, note the, not, not irony, irony is not the right word, <laughs> but when the Lord comes to Jeremiah to tell him to prophesy against Israel, oh. essentially, it's actually in the reign of a pretty good king. Weird. But he knows, but God knows exactly what's going to happen. He right. knows where the trajectory is. And Jeremiah should too, if he's seen the writing on the wall. I mean, Josiah is the first good king in a long time. He's going to be the last good king until Jesus. Right. And so- when that that's where we pick it up for this week. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, which is um this this line, this this line from Jeremiah has almost become an anthem for the pro-life movement, which is really beautiful. This idea that God knows us before we're born. In the womb, we have our identity, we have this personhood. But um, what he's saying to Jeremiah specifically, I, just, I had to chuckle at it this morning because hmm. it's setting up Jeremiah, it says who he is, and then the Lord comes and he says, hey, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I had this identity, I love you, I've appointed you as this prophet. And I almost pictured Jeremiah like, oh, that's really, wait a second, Lord, why are you telling me this? <laughs> like, oh, how nice, you have a plan for my, wait a minute. What do you mean you have a plan for my life? The way the Lord tends to work in salvation history, whenever the Lord tells you about the plans he has for your life, things are going to get rough. Do you know that uh, this is almost always read at priestly ordinations? Oh, I did know that. This in the Melchizedek reading, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah which are important together. I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, hold on, you got a plan for my life? Like, oh, yay. <laughs> yay. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Wait, what do you, yeah, hold what on, do you let's mean? Back up just a little bit. And then we get even more of it. So he says, ah, sovereign Lord. And this is where we skip. So I'm going to read what we skip over. Okay. His response is, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. Wait, you, you just told me you want me to be a prophet? And not just a prophet, but a prophet to the nations? The whole earth? Hold on a second. I'm just some guy living in the, in the land of Benjamin. I don't even know how to speak. I'm just but a youth. I'm a child. And the Lord said to me, don't say you're just a child, but you must go to everyone I send you to and do whatever I command you. Mm. Do not be afraid. That's the, I, I've done talks on um, the Annunciation, when the angel appears to Mary. And you remember when the angel appears to Mary at the Annunciation and she's a little freaked out because there's an angel there. And he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you right. found favor with God. That line, and, and Mary responds with fear, which is the right response because every single time in the Bible that God says, do not be afraid, he's saying it because there's something to be very afraid of. Right. <laughs> Don't be afraid. It's cool. But I'm going to ask you to do this thing that seems impossible and we'll probably get you killed. But don't be afraid because I will be with you. So it's it's this, um, yeah, it, it's uh, when Mary responds with fear, it means she understands salvation history. She doesn't say no. She still offers her fiat, but she's like, I know how this story has gone before, and I know whatever you're going to ask me is is pretty difficult. And so that's what the Lord says to Jeremiah. Which I'm going to be with you. Which is just JP2. I mean, we talk Absolutely. about, we, we call ourselves a JP2 generation. Absolutely right. We do. Right. 
Um, the Lord then reaches out his hand and touched my mouth. And he said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth, which reminds me of Isaiah. Remember when he touches the burning hot coal to Isaiah's lips? Isn't that Ezekiel too? No, it's Isaiah. Isaiah 6. Just Isaiah? Isaiah 6. I think Isaiah? So. There might be some version of it in I, Ezekiel, but it's Isaiah where he's in the throne room of God and yeah, the yeah. angel takes the tongs with the barbecue I am, I am, briquette. I, I, who will go? I, yep, I, you that's know, Isaiah. I, I am a... Man of un, unclean yep. lips and Isaiah unclean six. people. Isaiah six. Uh, that's just that. Just that. Isaiah six. What about Revelation? Isaiah six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See today. <laughs> isn't I am, that new? Isn't that Ezekiel? Isaiah six. <laughs> <laughs> so he puts his hand. He puts his words in my mouth. See today, I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? He said, I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. Now what do you see? He says, well, I see a boiling pot <laughs> tilting away from the north, I answered. A boiling pot tilting away from the north. If a boiling pot is tilting away from the north, what is it pointing to? South. It's going to gonna, south if it's Israel. Which is going to boil over and pour out and... Yeah. The boiling pot is Babylon, the great nation to the north that's going to pour out wrath on Jerusalem soon. And Jeremiah's like, I see it. That's like that's like a medieval like, you know, wall torture. They're gonna send they're gonna throw cows and, and <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like you that. Know, and and uh, Trojan bunnies over the wall and Trojan port- bunnies. You're so, just thinking of Monty Python. The, the Holy, Holy Grail. Grail. I watched that the other day and Did I was like, yeah, fresh in your head. Yeah, so uh, burning tar over the wall. So the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster is going to be poured out on all who live in the land. This is an important moment to say this because, again, this is a very, very brief moment in Israel's history where there's a semblance of peace. And there's a semblance of people actually trying to live rightly and trying to follow the Lord. But what the Lord is saying is don't get lulled into too much comfort. Yeah, things are okay right now. There's peace. And one of the things, I mean, you see this in the life of the people of God throughout salvation history. Things get a little bit comfortable. There's a little bit of rest. And we get really comfortable. And we're never ready for what's about to come. Hmm. And so the Lord's saying, don't get too comfortable, Jeremiah. All this stuff is coming. And I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdom, declares the Lord. And there, and, and he goes on. So that's where we pick it up with this reading. We jump to verse 17. He says, so get yourself ready. Gird your loins. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, they're coming. Not just them, not just the four nations, but the Israelites, your own kinspeople who will oppose you. Hmm. Get ready and you have to do whatever I command you to do. You need to trust me. Do not be terrified by them or, uh, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. That line should kind of rattle Jeremiah to his core. Right. You're going to go and prophesy against the kings of Judah. Mm. Right now there's a good one. It's Josiah. He's great. Yay. He's not going to last very long. No. He's going to die pretty early on in his life. And Jehoiakim will come in his place. So you're going to stand against the kings of Israel, the priests, the people, the officials, Everybody, you're going to stand up against them. But what does the Lord say? He says, I'm going to make you a fortified city. Well, what's the fortified city? Jerusalem's the fortified city. Right. Jerusalem's the city with the big pillars and the big walls. And he's like, and people would see Jerusalem was the dwelling place of God. It's where God himself set up his throne in the temple among the people. And now he said to Jeremiah, yeah, now you're going to speak judgment against that very same city. 
And now my city actually dwells in you. You are my city. In a certain sense, saying my presence dwells wherever I want it to dwell. Yes, my presence physically is in the temple. It's not going to be for long. And my presence also dwells with you, Jeremiah. So you speak against them. And do what I tell you because it's going to get rough. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. The end. See right. you later. Ezekiel's flaming chariot. Yeah, the exactly. Of the throne room I go is, where I want to. It's, it, yeah, the throne with wheels. Like, yes. Which is... This last line. Sorry, I missed the, the, the last line. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So, again, this is Jeremiah's call. This is going to get real ugly. And they're going to seem like they're going to overthrow you, but they're not. I'm al- almost reminded of the words of Jesus that says, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. He says something similar to the church. Right. Who is the new fortified city? But now he's saying it to Jeremiah. Anyway, this is Jeremiah's call. Right. Whew. Yeah. I it's mean, intense. It's, it's, I, I look at this and I go, wow. I mean... Yeah, a pillar of iron and a wall of brass. I've been I've been doing a lot of machining in brass recently. Okay, and um, if I had a if I had to choose a wall, I think I would choose a wall of iron and not brass. Not I'm, brass. I'm just saying. But brass is prettier. That's and good. he actually gives you both. There's strength and there's beauty. I think that's actually why he has both of those. Pillar of iron and wall of, of brass. brass. I guess that I guess that I, I don't know. I'm just I mean, that's my guess. No, I like that because because brass really is prettier than iron. Yeah, and it, it's warmer. <laughs> and it's, it's warmer. It's like it's gold, you know. But it's the desert, so they don't need the warmth against the whole land. Oh, I, I the terrifying nature of Jeremiah's call. I mean, it's a terrifying call, and he's going to do it for thirty years. That's like a with almost with, with no respite really because by the time his career ends Jerusalem's destroyed and it's obliterated and they're all off in slavery the end right and he actually doesn't get to see the other side of that story he just gets to see so unfortunately all of his words fulfilled right because Jeremiah and this is the difference so Jesus will at least a handful of times quote Jeremiah because Jesus, remember later on in the Gospels, will go and pronounce judgment on the temple and on the Pharisees and on the religious leaders. And he uses the words of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah is the one that said, you have become a den of robbers and thieves. Jeremiah, his whole uh, schema is set up in, in if-then statements. And he says, if you guys turn back to God, this stuff doesn't have to happen. If you refuse to turn to God, if you continue to, to worship idols and do all these terrible things, then disaster's coming. But if you change, then it doesn't have to. Jesus, by the end of his ministry, he gives no if then. He says all the words of Jeremiah, but he simply <laughs> says, this is coming. Yeah. Which is, which is, he's almost up to the ante, but he relies on the foreshadowing of Jeremiah for his ministry to make sense. Which, and, yeah, yeah, which leads us actually really well into the, to the psalm. I think it does. Not the psalm response. But no, the, but the body. <laughs> but the body. Yeah, it's, I was it, thinking the same thing. You know, in you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me not be put to shame. Um. Can I, there's a juxtaposition that's going on here, though, that I think is interesting. In you, I take refuge. Well, where do you take refuge? In fortified cities. Right. In, within walls, within pillars. But God just said, Jeremiah, you're the fortified city. You're the one with the walls. You're where I've put my walls. But that doesn't make any sense unless you actually hear Jeremiah's response to his call very early on. And his response to God's calling him to be a prophet to all the nations is, actually, Lord, I'm totally inadequate for this. Right. And you in a spiritual sense, that's the green light that God needs to use Jeremiah. Jeremiah, right. I'm I'm appointing you as a as a prophet to all the nations. No, I can't do that, Lord. Ah, you get it. You see your smallness. You understand your shortcomings. I'm I can use you then. We, and yeah, so when it says this, 
it's God in Jeremiah who is the refuge. Right. It's God working within Jeremiah that's the fortified city. It's not about Jeremiah. And that's what's really important that, that the church has put this psalm with that reading. He is the fortified city because he knows he's not the fortified city. And so he can allow God to sort of take over and be his refuge and be a refuge in him. Which leads us into the very strange abstraction of seeing Jesus Christ as the word made flesh. See, because it, when we talk about the word, that um, the, the word will set you free, the truth will set you free, that, mm. that in, in a certain sense, Jeremiah has been given the word in Absolutely. a special way, and, and that that word is as actually the city. It's actually a fullness of an encounter with a truth that is beyond what we're actually being able to witness in, in, in a way. I mean, like, mm. that's kind of why we can just talk about the word and the word can bring you alive. Yes, absolutely. But it has power. Even more, even more potently, it can actually, it has become alive mm. in Christ and mm. then it has become so manifest that we can eat this word. We can that, eat that, the word, yeah. But, the, but then we ourselves are drawn in, like, like he says, I, that's a powerful mm. prefigurement in Jeremiah mm. saying, this is actually where we're going to end up in the mystical body, in the church. This is actually what he's saying, this is going to be totally mobile. Yes. So right. how do we take... Which Ezekiel shows with the wheels. Yeah. Right. And, and, and with what we're talking about in this first reading, yeah. it's like, I'm, okay, pay attention. This mm-hmm. is going to boil over from the north into the south. And so what, what's happening is that we're starting to get set free so that we can have worldwide blessing. This is actually hard because the break to be able to have this new vocation is going to actually draw us into something. But we have to make that, that internal break from saying, you know, it's just right here, just right now. This is all. Well, what, what he's doing, I mean, the, what, what God is, so Jeremiah prophesies for 30, this doesn't happen for 30 years. But what he's being given in 626 during the reign of a pretty good king is all of the signs of the times that are coming. Here's what you need to look for. Mm. Because, I mean, here's the thing. God doesn't long for our punishment. Right. God doesn't long for destruction. God doesn't want to chastise us. And so God, in his tremendous mercy, gives Jeremiah 30 years of foresight and says, here's what's going to happen. Watch for the signs of the times. Warn the people and get them to turn. So that you don't have to have this chastisement. You don't have to be punished in this way. This doesn't have to happen. Because, I mean, so many people read the Old Testament and see all of this punishment and this stuff. And God is so mean and angry and wrathful. And we miss the fact that, no, he's not. We simply reap the fruits that we sow. And if Israel reaps the fruit of destruction and idolatry and killing and and wickedness, then yeah, that's going to bear fruit in their lives. God doesn't want that. He's trying to stop it. And Jeremiah's whole job is getting the people to turn back from that. He does not say this is inevitable. He says, this is what's coming. Warn them so Mm. that they turn. Which it says, my mouth shall declare your justice day by day, your salvation, which leads us into the response. I will sing of your salvation. Right. Which is what Jeremiah is doing. Right. It, but it's way more complex than than some sort of happy land of joy, joy. Yes, because that's not what you can't really understand God's salvation unless you understand that we need to be saved from something. Right. And there's actually danger. Our sin has caused all of this terror. Right. We need salvation. So in Jeremiah's warnings, he's preaching the Lord. He's proclaiming the Lord's. He's singing of the Lord's salvation, okay. even though it sounds like dire, mean warnings. Mm. 
but yeah, salvation doesn't make sense unless you understand that you need to be saved from something. Right. And, and then when you declare it, uh, and that's actually what this, this is a song of declaration that we yeah. do in the podcast. That's why we're, we break out into song. That's why we do occasionally break into song. <laughs> <laughs> Which takes us to First Corinthians. I'm a clanging gong right now. Dude. I, no, I have love in my heart. <laughs> I was going to say, like, do you hate me? So I was, tr- no, I, I love Do you do not love me no, anymore? No, I do. do you not love me more than these? Yeah, I, I not, feed my sheep, bro. I'm trying, man. Uh, okay, so I, at first glance, I was like, wait, what is First Corinthians doing there? It's the, it's the famous love passage, which, Dude, you know, you all, I'm of the cynical kind of jerk what? nature where I read this and I'm like, oh, love, 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 love. Let's all love each other. Love, love, love. It's the one that gets read at weddings all the time. And it's a beautiful passage, but I don't think most people understand the depth of why it's so beautiful, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, 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 love. You're you're scoffing at me. Yeah, I am because of my cynicism. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that. But I'm saying there's there's a, a almost knee jerk response a, to it that way. Well, if y- it's not to be considered, so because it's what you're saying though. Salvation is not this like oh let's all be happy and yay and everything's nice, right? Which is how it's tempting to read this passage. Oh yeah, let's love each other. Everybody's happy. Let's hold hands. Right. That's not what this passage is about. Dude, I, I, and I don't uh, think that it is. Sorry, don't, street, don't judge me. I used to street preach with this, and all Did my you? and all my brother seminarians would be like, they would mock me that I would read oh, this passage. So I just brought up a wound. You did. You but, did, but, but I mean, as a 20-year-old. But here's the thing, though. Here's why you're right. Because in a certain sense, and I'm, I'm putting too many pieces together, I'm taking some liberties here. But in a certain sense, this is what Jeremiah is doing. Right. This is Jeremiah's proclamation. Because, and this is what makes, and th- this is clear from the ministry, Jeremiah, well, one of his- It's not just his proclamation, it's God's invitation to him. In, it, because what happens is that we get called in times of peace. Mm-hmm. It, like, this is actually a lot of times about how vocation can come about. Sometimes it's, to- God's creative, so this is not this is not universal. But it says, I will draw you into the desert and woo you. I Like, the, there's these mm-hmm. times of peace when there's a good king, and you've mm-hmm. got this- great pope going and you got these things and you're like when i i was hanging with you know jp2 world youth day 93 you're like oh my goodness look at this beautiful powerful thing that's actually happening you weren't hanging with jp2 you were stealing signs i went to the stealing vigil mass bro robbing cars <laughs> it was not robbing cars. jacking trucks <laughs> <laughs> pulling up highway robberies <laughs> whatever you were doing <laughs> yeah no i'm, I'm, I'm tracking you oh, i'm tracking you yeah, yeah. That um, that 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 all of these things are taking place. That 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 we're called in the midst of this, so that when the time when the hard times come, yes, we we actually have some sort of rooting to go back to. This rooting, yes. which is a rooting in love. Yes, I think that's hundred percent true. But also, <laughs> no, I, I, do, I know I do. that tone. No, it's just it, it's that's not what I was getting at. I think that's all you could have. I mean, that stands okay. on its own. That okay. stands Good. whole what, completely. What are you trying to get at? What I mean when I say this is what Jeremiah's proclamation is is that one of the things that's clear in the preaching of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet because okay. he cries a lot. He's a crier. He's a crier. <laughs> no, but he's a crier. But he's a Father Brady. He's a bit of a Father Brady. <laughs> but but what that shows is that so you can be a, a lot of people say a lot of words of condemnation in our world, right? You can just go online and see all the people condemning other people, usually for righteous reasons. I, I am one of those people that gets way too swept up in reading comments on 
articles and social media. You don't do that. I read so many comments. I never take part in it. I just don't. But I get toy. It's like a car wreck that you can't stop watching. (laughs) And but but we have we have become this culture that we just want to chastise each other and show how wrong and false and evil the other side is and call it out. And we do it all the time in comments on Twitter on all the things. Right. This is our thing, and we love it. But how many of us are actually doing it with love? Jeremiah, in his calling out the people and calling them back, like there's two ways he could have done it. He could have gone to the people. He could have gone to Jerusalem and be like, you guys all stink. You're horrible. You're going to burn in hell. You guys are losers. I'm out of here. You know, enjoy the enjoy the lightning that strikes you when God's judgment finally comes because you guys stink. There's, you know, that's, um, it's hyperbolic, but you know what I mean? You can go and be like, you guys are horrible. You're all sinning. You're doing all these horrible things. Or there's a sense that you could chastise or actually bring the words of the Lord in the sense of solidarity with, with, we are in this together and this actually hurts me that you're falling into this sin. To actually feel, it's, it's the idea of empathy, to actually feel the weight of the sin of another, not just to look from the outside and be like, you stink, but to be like, oh my gosh, this is really hard to actually love the people that you're preaching to, that you're calling to repentance. You can call someone to repentance in a spirit of anger, or you can call someone to repentance in a spirit of, of solidarity solidarity and love. I mean, there's no better word than love. And so when First Corinthians gets thrown out here, if you can speak, you can say all of the most holy, profound, righteous, true things. But if you don't say them with love, you're just a loud clanging gong. You can tell you can preach the gospel to someone and you can do it without love. And we're told by Paul that you are a clanging gong and you're doing nothing. Jeremiah is not a clanging gong. He is preaching these words to the people in utter tears and sorrow and weeping because he actually loves his people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why I say this reading is articulating what Jeremiah is preaching. This is the proclamation because the words are the words. The proclamation is the proclamation. But Jeremiah is proclaiming in love, which is what makes him not a clanging gong. Right. Which is what makes him a very tragic figure because he's not listened to. And they try to kill him a number of times. But he's following the instruction even before it's given of St. Paul who tells us how how to do this. Right. I've been, I've been reflecting upon the unforgiveness of culture. Mm. And how how this I am going to demonstrate to you why I am right spirit right. is uh, so so toxic. Yeah. But at the very core, it's a, a fundamentally unChristian attitude, and Absolutely that's actually what we're being what yep. we're being invited into again is to say like no, as Saint Paul says, we were such as these. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're we're all of these things right. that we want. You want to you want to find you know the three finger three fingers point one finger pointing out back and three pointing back at you, right? Like that that kind of thing where it's like yeah. no we 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 at the beautiful reality of our lives are going to be the the bastion of forgiveness within culture mm. as as Christians as Catholics. So hmm. th- that's actually going to be the beautiful reality hmm. that that's going to actually be the pivot by which um, the world will end up re-Christianized after the 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 um, post-Christian era. Yeah, that, we, that we're going through right now is 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 literally at the fundamental uh, the fundamental attitude of forgiveness. Which it's funny, 
hearing you talk about that, that actually does happen in the story of salvation history. There is, we have books like Baruch, we have Ezra and Nehemiah, we have actually the other end of the story. After Jeremiah's time, you do get, I mean, Jeremiah eventually dies, people don't listen to him, but later (laughs) on, you do get in the story of salvation, people say, oh, I get what he was saying now. And actually you have Daniel in exile reading Jeremiah, being like, oh man, I totally get it. And actually one of the brightest, not bright in the sense they don't have big shiny castles and powerful armies and a bunch of riches, but one of the brightest moments in salvation history is the time after the exile when you see Israel for the first time in her history not falling into idolatry. Not falling into worshiping and 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 you know um, allying themselves with all these pagan nations, realizing, oh yeah, we're sinners, and we understand why we were punished, and we totally get why we got here. Things are still hard; they really stink. We're still oppressed by all these nations, but at least we understand. And so you do see the others, the fruit of Jeremiah's work that he never got to see in his lifetime. You do see it in the story of salvation history. People looking back and saying, oh yeah, thanks Jeremiah. We we hear you now. I look at this and it says, when I was a child, I used to talk as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. Mm. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. So like, I actually think that that's partly an indicator of what it looks like. Because when we're children... What do we, we, we get in tiffs. There's Mm. long, there's kind of weird friendship things. It's actually like we need mature people Mm. to remind us to forgive and to release and to let go and to invite us into a process of forgiveness. And, and so the, the childish thinking, I think that that's actually the de-evolution of our, of, of our world right now is is that, is that we've, we've forsaken reason Mm. for passion, which is ultimately childish. Yes, and and because and, passion is good when it's united to reason, and more more importantly, when it's united to love. Absolutely, passion not united. To, I, I don't mean love in like the, you know, passion. L U V L U V. But passion when like real self giving, self denying love. Right. That's when passion is powerful. Right. That's a lot of alliteration. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, Which yeah bring, brings us to Jesus. Bring me to Jesus. So, I want some Jesus. You sh- and you shall have him. Um, we pick up from where we left off last week, was j- with, with, which, which was Jesus' sermon in the synagogue at Nazareth, in his hometown. He goes back home. He stands up and gives a little sermon. Um, it, would, it would have been understood that a visitor, especially one who is from that place, you know, he's coming back to his ancestral home, he would have been given the honor of standing up in the synagogue and getting to pick whatever he wanted to read, to read and, then, and then expound upon it. That was right. the, the honor that was given to him. So he picks the reading about the Jubilee year from Isaiah. Everybody he pronounces loves that. it and like, oh, this is beautiful. Yay. Because, because it says, oh, we're going to be saved. There's salvation coming. We talked about that in the psalm, right? But they're not hearing salvation in the right sense. They're hearing, oh, he's saying all these beautiful things about being freed from our oppressors and being given our stuff back and our land back and being wealthy again and being rich again. Like they're hearing a very particular thing. They're not hearing, oh, we need salvation from sin. We need to be saved from the evil one, from the oppression of all the darkness that we've actually brought upon ourselves. The the, the fullness of the prefigurement of the Jubilee. Yes, exactly. The real Jubilee. Yeah, what happens is, I mean, it says we see dimly as in a mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like, no, not not the dim version of this, the full reality of total, utter Jubilee. Which they have no eyes to see yet. Right. And so we get the Or ears to hear. Or ears to hear. Um. 
There's a song and I can't remember the song too. Anyway, so uh, so th- so we don't get any of that this week. We got it last week, and the church presumes that you listened, you didn't fall asleep during mass last week, that you heard what he said, <laughs> and now it just picks up saying Jesus had been speaking in the synagogue, and he said, "Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing," which really is funny if you just showed up to mass and you had no idea what happened last week. <laughs> Today this is fulfilled. Wait, what? What's fulfilled? <laughs> it's, it's like somebody who fell asleep in the synagogue that day. And like, uh, Wait, yeah. what, what did you say? <laughs> no, no, dude, so there today- absolutely was that person. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no doubt. They're like, Wait, what? <laughs> what? He said. What? And they all spoke highly. So they're they're like, oh yeah, that's not wow, that's really inspiring. What great words. And then you get the sense that they all kind of started thinking about it. They're like, wait a second. Like that was really impressive. Wow, that was beautiful words. How inspiring she wait a second. We know you. Who who do you think you are? And they're like, wait, did he really just say This is fulfilled? This is fulfilled? Like they're- he's not just saying we need to pray for it to think about like and and if he's saying it's fulfilled, like, are you implying that you're gonna fulfill? Like, what, like who do you think you are? You fixed my wall, dude. Right? Like, we played football with you. We played flag football, and you stung. And you know, he probably didn't sting. He was probably you, good at it. But you let you left for six months. You you took a little semester at sea, and you came right. back, and, and now all of a sudden you're back. S- semester and you think of you're a big shot. <laughs> yeah, it's like. We, we've all had friends who go and study in other parts of the world for brief periods of time, and they come back with that accent. And they all of a sudden, wait, you have an accent? You're, you're from Dubuque, you know, and you're like, it doesn't work. Anyway, I had a friend like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, but you, you, know, you imagine somebody you grew up with and seeing them at like your 10-year high school reunion, 20-year reunion, whatever it is, and you're like, oh my gosh, you're, you're, I'm actually a prophet now, and I'm the Messiah, and I'm actually going to be the next king of Israel. You know, all of these things would have been implied in what he's saying. Like, wait a second. Who do you think you are? You're the carpenter's son. Like, we know you. Right. You lived up the street from us. You fixed the drywall. Did you say you fixed the drywall in my mom's kitchen? No, yeah, like you that? just fixed my wall. <laughs> yeah, oh, because he was a carpenter. Yeah, it's tecton. So they're like, okay, we, we, we're we with you for a little bit, but then they start thinking about it. They're like, isn't this the son of Joseph? And Jesus Responds. He hears them. He say, "I don't know whether he senses it or he just overhears it." But he's like, "Surely you're going to quote me this proverb: physician, physician, cure yourself, and say, do here in your native place the things that we heard you did in all these other places." You might be a big deal in Capernaum, Jesus. They might listen to everything you say up in Capernaum, up in Sidon, or wherever it is. But we know the truth. We know who you are. We right. know your mom I, and dad. I changed your diaper. Yeah, these guys. You might be mysterious up in these other places, and people might not know your background, but we do. And this is where Jesus says this very famous line, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. And so indeed, he says, I tell you, well, and that's where things get real hard. He's like, I hear you. I know what you're saying. And, and nobody's accepted in their home. And I get that you're not accepting me. However, listen to this. And he says, oh. I tell you, there are many widows in the days of Israel, in, the da- in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed. For three and a half years, there was this huge famine, this drought. And Elijah, the famous prophet, the, the idol, uh, the icon of what prophecy is, he didn't go to anybody in Israel. He went to a widow in Zarephath, out in Sidon. He went to the outsiders, the non-Jews. And if you got, he's, uh, he gives two stories, right? The widow of Zarephath, and then he talks about uh, these lepers in the time of Elisha, who Elisha doesn't heal, but he goes to Naaman the Syrian, some outside. Basically, he says, hey, do you remember those stories in the Old Testament when there were a bunch of people of Israel, the people of God, who actually needed real healing? Well, guess what? The prophets don't go to them. They went to the outsiders. They went to the pagans. And he doesn't tell you the why. The why in the story is, of course, because the people in Israel reject Elijah. And they try to run him out of town and they try to kill him and they try to cut off his head. And so he's left with nothing but to go where the Lord leads him. And the Lord leads him to the outsiders, the others, 
which would have been shocking, and the people would have known this story. But what Jesus is doing, Jesus' words really don't totally make sense outside of Jeremiah. Because the context of Jeremiah that the church gives us this week is that, hey, I'm going to call you to say all of these really hard things. And if we know the story, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We know in the story of Jeremiah, everybody rejects him. They try to kill him and they are punished. They don't listen and so they actually get all of the things that Jeremiah is warning them about because he's desperately trying to get them to turn back. They ignore him. They try to throw him off a cliff. They try to kill him. And so they get the punishment because they rejected him. Jesus's words are saying, hey, if you understand your own story, you'll understand that the story of the people of Israel is often that they don't listen to the people God sends to them. Mm. And as a result, Israelites, the people of God actually perish and others will be saved in their place. And he's pointing ahead toward the end of his life when so many of the people of Israel, even the ones who he followed and preached to, will reject him and actually crucify him. And Jesus will say, and, and it'll people be people like the centurion who see him during his crucifixion is like, oh, I get it. I get what this guy's saying. All the religious leaders, all those other people, they took off. They put him on the cross. They conspired against him, but I see it. Right. He's pointing toward where his ministry is going, not because he likes the Gentiles more than them, right. but because, look, if you reject the words of God, God's not going to force himself. He's not going to force himself to make you receive salvation. If you really understood what true salvation is and what I'm offering you, I'm not going to make you be saved. And if you can't see the fact that you need saving, then I'm not sure what else to do except go to people who actually do see that they need saving and will let me work in their lives, which is just a call to all of us who aren't willing in all those little areas of our lives to actually let God heal us. Because God can't heal us when we don't let him heal us. Right. It's it's actually, uh, well, I think about this when Jesus talks about how he's going to do parables. He, I speak in parables lest they understand and see. Yeah. And, and, and it's in the midst of that, it's because there's in the dark for a little bit. Yeah. Because sometimes you actually need to experience the negative side of things before you can actually say, I really need salvation. I actually need to go it. Like, unlike Jeremiah, who Mm. he had the beautiful glories at the, at the gate. Yeah. And then he had to go into the darkness. Yeah, exactly. It's the other way around. Right. And, and, and so, so it's, Mm. there's no kind of like. Sure, pattern, because God is going to deal with us each in an individual capacity, but this can give us insight as we're talking and we can move against it and say, like, why does my soul feel this way as as I'm going through this? Well, it's funny. Part of why in every single Mass, one of the things that can never be tweaked or moved or changed in the rubrics of the Mass is... Um, the Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, the call to mercy, because in the mind of the church, it's always been the case that we need to pray constantly that we never become like the people of God in the time of Jeremiah. We need to pray constantly that we don't become like the people of God when Jesus actually spoke those true things and they rejected him. So please have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Because in a lot of ways, you know, the people in the time of Jesus, the people in the time of Jeremiah, they worked a lot harder at their faith than I do. Mm. You know, I get in my car and I drive the seven minutes to get to Mass on Sunday. These people who went to the temple to hear the words of Jeremiah, they'd travel for days on pilgrimage to offer sacrifice at great expense. And Jeremiah says, yeah, you guys are utter hypocrites. They worked a lot harder at all of these things than I do. And how much easier it is for us to fall into this like, yeah, it's fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, things are kind of hard, but it's God's not going to really do that. We'll, we'll be fine in the end. 
rather than saying, looking at the signs of the times and being like, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I desperately need you. And I know that I don't have, like the words of Jeremiah, I know I don't have it in me to actually do this myself. So make me a fortified city, Lord, because I need you to be my refuge. Otherwise, I'm not going to make it. And he says, be not afraid. Be not afraid. That's the only way you can be not afraid. Do not be afraid. Because if I'm putting all of it on myself, then yeah, that's good reason for fear. Right. But if I'm putting it all of it on the Lord, then yeah, I actually don't have to be afraid. Then I have no fear. Then I, I don't have to. And know. then I'm going to get a sticker from the 90s and put it on my car. No fear. No fear. <laughs> <laughs> I always hate And put it stickers. in hyper color on my t-shirt. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I pulled that. Oh, All well. right. Uh, friends, you guys are absolutely wonderful. Um, I am so thankful for all the positive love and feedback and generosity of engagement that you guys uh, have with us. And I'm so glad that uh, you have let us be a part of your life for this amount of time. And um, don't fake the fun. Never. We'll be back next week, you guys. Okay. See you then. Peace. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash A-I-C-T. You can find the Lanky Guys at lankyguys.org, and you can send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.